Welcome to the EO Podcast with Brett Kiesling, part of the EO Podcast Network. Hello, my friends. Thank you for listening. My name is Brett Kiesling, and as it says on my business cards, I'm a passionate advocate for employee ownership. One of the leaders in employee ownership, undeniably, is Certified EO. They haven't been around that long, but they are doing so many tremendous things. I've had the co-founder and CEO, Thomas Dudley, on a previous podcast. I've talked about them on a number of mini-casts, and you can check all of those episodes out, as well as all of our archives at www.esoppodcast.com. In minicast 163, I discussed Lighthouse Foods, which was rebranding with the Certified EO logo. I thought that was really a huge development and I'm very grateful and pleased to welcome back my friend, Thomas Dudley, to talk about what Certified EO is up to. Thomas, thanks for coming back on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Congratulations. 2021 just seems to have been a banner year for Certified EO. We are all mindful that it's a challenging year for so many of us in so many different ways, but you folks have just continued to do important things and congratulations and thank you for everything you're doing. Yeah, thanks. Likewise. I mean, you definitely had a, I love, I love the podcast that love everything y'all have been doing. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a good year. Exciting. As you mentioned, a lot of challenges for, for people, but definitely a good year for the employership community. It seems. There are a number of things that we're going to talk about Thomas, but why don't we start? If you don't mind, let's talk about lighthouse foods, not necessarily specifically, although as specifically as you'd like, but I think it's really huge that the certified EO logo is going to show up on packaging in supermarkets. Can we uh, talk a little bit about that? Is that as important as I think it is? Yeah, no, absolutely. I'd love to love to talk a little bit about that. I, I think just for, for context, maybe some people who are listening know about us and what we do, but just in case you don't, um, certified employee-owned, our big mission is really creating that national recognition for employee-owned business. So everyone in America to understand the value of this model. We want them to know it's out there. If you're a job seeker, we want you to know that you can go find a job uh, at an employee-owned company. So you're not just an employee, you're also an owner. We want people who support this model to be able to find these products in stores, find out which stores are employee-owned, and really just build that broad-based awareness that is going to help create a drumbeat of support for, for everything we're doing, all the great things that employee-owned companies are doing. And I mean, really, and Brett will probably get into this, I think that this needs to be a coordinated effort, that we can't do it, everyone just acting on their own. So we're driving that coordination. We launched in September of 2017 with 28 founding members. Today, we have 390 members. So we've grown uh, quite a bit since our launch uh, a little over four years ago. Lighthouse Foods was one of uh, the early members for us. They make uh, refrigerated dressings and other sorts of food products. They're based out of Sandpoint, Idaho. They're a national brand. They're, they're awesome. Their they're products, their food is, is delicious. You were on episode 142, and I have the bad habit of thinking that everybody has <laughs> listened and remembered every single episode. So the one thing that I do want to commend you for that episode, we cover your aha moment. We cover the moment where you realized EO is where you wanted to go. You covered the founding story of Certified EO and the people who were involved in it. And we did talk at length because because I think it's important and it's worth uh, repeating. The certified part of Certified EO is that you must be 35% employee owned. So what I want to do is have you tee up everything that you would like moving forward. But I really want our listeners to go back and listen to that episode because boy, you cover Certified EO in, at length there. Yeah, that's a great point. So definitely worth going back and listening. And as Brett mentioned, so essentially the certification, the point is to build that national recognition. Obviously, you do need to have a kind of a line and a stand to, to apply certification. So we landed on 30% broad-based access open to everyone. So 30% ESOP, but we have a lot of non-ESOP members as well. But I definitely recommend going back to that episode if you want to learn a little bit more about 
what we do, our founding story, that sort of thing. Let's tie in with the marketing if we can. And I had said 35%, mm -hmm. so I'm glad that you corrected mm -hmm. it. It's, it's 30%. Here's what's important. And in that episode, we had talked, and, and to some extent, you acknowledge, not that it's a completely arbitrary number, but you know it could have varied. There was nothing magical in the mm -hmm. 30%. But here's what's important, and I had talked about it on the minicast. We have a credible national organization, and you folks, and I hope you'll talk about this, are adding members regularly. You're growing it appears to be very steadily. And we now have a certification that all of us can understand. You've got to be 30% employee owned. And, and to your point, you know, a lot of us focus on the ESOPs, but co-op, EOTs, employee owned, whatever form mm -hmm. that takes, got to be 30%. And what it allows all of us to understand everybody is anyone who belongs to your organization is that real of a deal. You know, that's the certification part of it. Yeah, that's right. And, and beyond those three vehicles that you mentioned, we have people doing it with stock options, direct share ownership. So there are a number of, of organizations going kind of in, in different directions in terms of their model. But what unites everyone is that 30% of the company is owned by employees, access is open to everyone, concentration is limited. So yeah, I like that, that you see that. And it, it really is kind of about uniting more around the, the point of the whole thing, not necessarily the particular structure. So to tie off the lighthouse piece, obviously a big part of our mission is that national recognition and really getting this out there. And so the thought is emulating or trying to recreate the success of like a fair trade or great place to work or organic even. And the insight is that it's the combined reach of the companies acting in a coordinated way that will help us get this in front of 300 million plus Americans, right? If we all just kind of go do our own thing, okay, well, we can all say we're employee owned, but we actually know where that's going to get us because that's what's been happening for the past 40 years. And that's going to get us some awareness, but it's just, you need that coordination to really have that drumbeat of support, right? And so we're looking to drive that. And obviously the more people that get on board using the same mark, building a brand in a consistent way, that creates a resource that everyone in the community can tap into. So having a big national brand like Lighthouse add it to, specifically it's on the uh, package for their refrigerated, it's like freeze-dried herbs like garlic and, and other sort of like parsley, that sort of thing. Thing. They're delicious, by the way, I highly recommend. And so now our certification marks on there, right? And so that mark being on that packaging on Modern Times beer on Winco Foods bags, it starts to become the shared resource. And the more of our members that add the certification mark to their products, their packaging, the more valuable it becomes for that next company that adds it as well. I think the other key ingredient here is that it is the uniform, the same mark. So we're building a consistent brand and frankly, that we are maintaining and, and kind of ensuring the, the standard because another challenge we've seen in other areas like organic, for example, is while organic starts picking up steam and what happens, people who don't follow those standards don't actually believe in that start calling things natural, right? And so then the line between what's organic, what's natural gets blurred and it can actually erode the brand and, and kind of decrease the value of, of the, the messaging to consumers or to job seekers or to whoever. Greenwashing is another example, right? So it's almost, I feel like it's guaranteed that if we really do start to get this out there and really do start to build that popular support, we'll see people who don't really do the sorts of things that we value and don't share our values trying to position themselves as maybe, oh, well, there's it's a thousand person company. There's two founders, they're employees, and they own the whole thing. 
well, I guess they're employee owned, right? Because 100% of the business is owned by people who are employees, never mind the fact that it's just two people and you know, 99% of the company doesn't have an ownership stake, right? You'll start to see things like that. And we have actually seen a little bit of that already. So it's going to happen if we, as we get more popular. So I think the certification program ensures that this brand is defensible for our community and maintains that quality. Thomas, that's very important. And it's funny because with the certification, I kind of thought of first off in a particular way. I happen to be Jewish. Many, many foods have the mark to certify that they are kosher. It's called the Heksher. And mm. there are foods that people have no clue are kosher and yet they are. And there's a mark, for example, and I don't know why this is my go-to example, but Heinz 57 ketchup has a hexer on it. So Jews can go everywhere. And if they recognize, accept that particular mark, they know they are good. Coincidentally, and I, I hope that I'm not misspeaking here, but observant, I hope I'm not misusing the words, observant Muslims follow dietary needs as well called halal, and their foods are also often marked with a symbol certifying that they are halal. And generally, kosher and halal have one very important similarity, no pork, you can cross over. So if you know one symbol, you know the other. What I liked about the certified EO, and there's a lot of branding opportunities as well for the community, but it's that knowledge that they are, quite frankly, certified employee-owned businesses. Because what I've seen, and this isn't the purpose of the podcast, but there are a couple of uh, folks that we've run into even in the podcast where are presenting themselves as employee owned. And we say, hey, we'd like to do a profile on you. And they're not employee owned. And others who there's a company here, and maybe I, this might motivate me to finally do something. They have their fleet of trucks running around saying an employee owned company. Well, I happened to be their trustee three years ago when we sold out the employee-owned part of it. They're not employee-owned. And that kind of rankles a little bit. So I like that certification, but there's also a bigger uh, part, Thomas, to me, or, or another opportunity. I shouldn't say bigger because all of this is important. People who want to buy employee-owned products are going to have that as an advantage, just as with some of the labels that you had talked about, if people want any of the other ways that foods are described. So for example, there are folks who are going to buy the Lighthouse Foods product because they like that product and they're going to see a symbol that's certified EO and that might get them to say, what's EO? What's employee owned? What's the story? So there's kind of like you're giving a symbol for all of us who care to shop EO, but you're also sending kind of a beacon out to those who just may get a little, another little nibble of what is EO? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. In fact, the outbound is going to be a lot bigger than the inbound, in my opinion. Like right now, we're a very niche community. There are probably not many people thinking, oh, how can I go find employee products? People listening to this podcast, sure, but there aren't that many of us right now. And so that's actually the bigger point, right? Because something like 80% of employee companies are B2B, right? So they're not thinking, I get why a consumer facing company might put this on their packaging. How does this benefit us? And the, the, the fact is, is no, it, it actually does benefit you. If we just wait for people to come find these products or find these jobs, there's not going to be a trickle. But if we can combine everyone, right, B2B, B2C, every sort of employee-owned company using this mark on their website, on their trucks, on their packaging, in, in, front, in their locations, be it a factory or a retail store, right now it starts to build this. And then your employees see that mark in 
inside your company. And then they go shop at Winco Foods and they see it on the bag and they buy Lighthouse products. They see it on the packaging. Now it's more of a movement. And now it's more of a big thing where it's not just the management in your company telling your employees, hey, you have this, this liquid private company stock, right? It's we share this characteristic that only one in 200 American businesses have. And it's not just us, it's all these other companies. And now we're aware of it. And people who are buying these products, even people who love employee-owned products, if they buy your, your product and don't like it, they're probably not going to keep buying it just because you're employee-owned, right? You have right. to deliver on that quality. As you know, and as, as we all know, being employee-owned means that your people care more. You are going to have a, you're going to be able to deliver high quality, right? That's the whole idea. And so, but the outbound, the building, the brand, that really is the, I think the insight and the true value. And then obviously as the brand gets built, more and more people will be looking for this inbound. So there is this positive feedback cycle that gets spun up. But today, I think the thing that's so exciting is seeing companies use this and just thinking about, I mean, literally millions of people who will see the mark on that packaging just in the next year alone. And how many of them is this going to click with? It's not going to be everyone, right? But even 1% or a fraction of a percent of a large number of people is going to help us grow that volume of people looking for this idea and getting interested, maybe in buying these products, maybe in working at one of these companies, right? Who knows where it goes from there? Where do you see it going? Are you actively looking to try and get it on more products? Is there you know, more of this that we look to see? Just generally, where do you hope to take this? Yeah, yeah. And I think I probably previewed this a little bit in my, my other answer, but I, I think that it's very natural. And I use the example fair trade or organic because that's something people know in their, their life probably. But I don't even think of the brands or what we're doing as primarily consumer focused, right? It's the most visible and it's the most exciting. And it also has the most kind of mass reach, but most employment companies are not selling to consumers. And so I do see the brand and the mark as kind of, and generally our activities on that, that national recognition, that building awareness as consumer being an ingredient, but really a lot of the focus is on job seekers, right? And how do you build this as a brand for employment? So people using it on their websites, people using it on job applications, people putting it on their social media or their physical locations or their trucks with just as much an eye towards the customer or consumer as the prospective employee. Because hiring right now is, is tough. It's a very tight labor market. Having great people is a huge differentiator and makes a difference regardless of your industry, right? And what we've seen in our, our public opinion research is about one in 10 people are very interested in applying to a job once they learn the company's employee-owned or learning that makes them much more interested in that job. And so if we can help employee-owned companies attract talent and find people through this branding and this marketing and building this kind of symbol of a great employee-owned company together, that becomes a huge differentiator for every company in our community. And it fits a need that is very strong right now. And Thomas, that raises, and you have said this, I'm I'm marveling that it's it's simple, but it's it's so important. That raises the general awareness. And one of the things that I've noticed, and I'll give credit to my friend, and, and I know you know him as well, Jesse Tyler, who hosts the Owner to Owner podcast. And Jesse speaks to what we call the frontline essential workers. They're the ones who make the stuff or deliver the stuff. They front face the mm -hmm. customers. There's no C-suite. There's no the upper management, et cetera. They are the rank and file. And Jesse has ended every podcast conversation with the guests, and there's normally two or three of them saying, sell your company. Why should someone come work for you? And it's actually a little frustrating that we haven't done a good job of 
presenting the employee ownership in the hiring process. So is that encouraging with your, your, among your member companies? Are there active programs, you know, that, that you're doing similar to put the logo on the packaging? Are there concrete steps that you're taking? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I think the first thing we did initially, we always start from public opinion research or, or some sort of quantitative research. I mean, it speaks to our, our kind of background and where I'm coming from in terms of my time as an academic. And so early on, we found that there are, first of all, that the mark is more influential job seekers than great place to work. So we see some sort of baseline resonance. We also did a bunch of research on what exactly about being employed resonates with people, right? And so step one is talking to members, getting that certification mark on their website, getting some language up on an employership section, about us section, about being an employment company that's tailored specifically to those messages that resonate with job seekers. We also have some collateral that we've created for our members to use with job seekers. So like a packet that's educational resources for that job seeker on the value of being an employee owner. What does it mean? How does it work? How does it benefit them financially, culturally? Because most people don't know what this is or, or have prior experience. And then there's also a lot of internal education kind of overlaps with sort of that culture building where you want the people doing the interviews to understand and see the, the benefit and the value so they can communicate what it is to people and also frankly filter out and screen for people who really should be part of that ownership culture versus who shouldn't because not everyone's necessarily the right fit. So we're working with a number of members on the hiring the job seeker side of things. It's just a really hot topic right now for people. Hey, Brett, uh, let's circle back to that 30% uh, number as well. You kind of mentioned the, the standards. And I think in the previous episode, we maybe touch on the development of the standards a bit. And you're absolutely right. When we were developing that standard, it was more around conversations with the community, obviously touching on some of the historical points like 1042, 30%. So trying to tie that into something that had some precedent and made sense in the community. But ultimately, it was fairly arbitrary, right? It could be 29, it could be 31. There's nothing particularly special about 30. But you do need a standard to have a certification program. That's never, you know, that was what we had to do. And I do think there's some broad agreement and the historical precedent, but I've always wanted to firm up that number. And so one thing I've been thinking about is what would happen if every company in America became employee owned? What would wealth inequality look like? And I think that's a much more fundamental way to ground that number. And if 30% looks really good, right? If wealth inequality is looking much better with 30% employee owned, right? Versus maybe not having much of a change that now we're, we're not just kind of seeing, taking a temperature, we're actually grounding it fundamentally on something, a change we'd like to see in the world. And so last December, about a year ago, I was, well, my wife and I had a baby and so I had paternity leave. And so, uh, <laughs> thank you. There's a lot of work to be done with the baby and, the, but there's also like the baby does nap a decent amount, especially when they're young. And so kind of maybe a few hours a day, spend some time digging into some data released by the federal reserve called the survey of consumer finances, which is probably the most comprehensive look at the household finances of Americans. Very, very good survey, very, very in-depth. And basically the data there allow us to look at that question of what happens to wealth inequality if every business in America was employee-owned. And so I actually linked up with a professor at Harvard Business School, Ethan Rowan, and we created a, a re, basically a, a, an analysis looking at what that shift to broad-based employee ownership would do. And obviously we find it's, it, it dramatically reduces wealth inequalities, basically sent, would send it to historic lows. It has a bigger impact on households lower down on the wealth distribution, kind of every group education race that is, you know, maybe you think is, is a little bit more excluded tends to do differentially better in terms of percent. So it has all these wonderful impacts. So I just wanted to make a note of that. There's actually a paper in Harvard Business Review that we wrote kind of May called the big benefits of employee ownership. And then we followed that up in October with a white paper, Employee Ownership and Wealth Inequality, a Path to Reducing Wealth Concentration that's posted on SSRN. I'll send you a link so you can put it in the description as well. But just wanted to 
close the loop on that 30% piece, I now feel like, okay, not only is this something that the community felt like made sense, not only is it something tied historically to legislation like 1042, but now there's a really solid grounding of, it's not just arbitrary. It's if we do this, wealth inequality goes to historic lows. And in 30%, there's still room for the founders. There's still room for investors. So it's not like we're advocating for a complete, a complete, you know, like it, it works, basically it works. There are a ton of companies doing 30, 40, 50, even hundred percent employee owned, but it's not like everyone becomes hundred percent employee owned means there's no investors. There's no founders anymore. Right. It's, it's workable, but it also is very practical and achieves this big goal at the same time. Thomas, first of all, congratulations. And I do got a couple of questions on this, but mm. boy, as you were talking about this, our world would be transformed if every company were 5% employee owned or 10% employee owned. In other words, mm. I don't want to like, like I was like, oh my goodness, I, I can imagine 30%. Mm-hmm. I don't, see an easy path to that happening, but I no doubt it's transformative, but boy, if there was a component. So let me ask you this, and and if you've covered, and we are going to include links to those white papers in our show notes, and if you cover them, I apologize, but, but there's something that I've seen, and I may even be quoting your work without realizing it. I've never, I've always been a pro-business, and I used to say capitalist, now inclusive capitalist, but even like in the 08, the, the auto industry bailout or the too big to fail, I had a tough time reconciling that as a capitalist because I'm like, no, if you overextend, you go bankrupt, you, that's capitalism, whatever. And first of all, nobody asked my opinion, you know, so, so bailouts <laughs> happen and that's fine. But lately I've just seen if there are going to be bailouts or tax breaks or whatever, there are calls to, you must have some level of employee ownership in return. Is this part of what, you know, that it would look like if, if, or am I conflating like your dad is just, if everybody was owned, I guess I'm going to the policy of how could the government encourage it, you know, starting with, Hey, if you're going to get benefits from the government, be employee owned. Yeah, no, I think you kind of, you kind of put it in there. So uh, basically what we're looking at is like, what actually happens? Like trying to be kind of specific around, okay, you have this employee owned economy. What does that actually look like? And just providing some concrete nature to the vision. Because if your goal is, okay, well, let's make an employee owned and everything's 3% employee owned, five, four or 5%, like you might end up in like a marginal change in, in most people's lives. And, and we don't want to do that. We don't want to put a ton of energy into doing something that's only going to have this like small benefit. We want to do something big and bold and transformative because that's what we need right now. So we're really trying to flesh out and make sure that the target is actually the right target. How you get there is the trillion dollar question and that's a little bit outside the scope of what we were trying to do. That's more the policy papers. That's more the, the business owner outreach. That's more the, you know, for us, my contribution to the how is create that national recognition. And I don't think that's sufficient, but I do think it's necessary. I do think there are tons of other groups in this space doing amazing work focused on other things, also very important, right? So how is a little bit Yeah. If I could write a 20 page white paper that just nailed how, I don't know. I'm not on that level yet. I'm working on it, but not. (laughs) Thomas, I'm laughing because this actually mirrors something before we started talking about that I said about myself. And maybe we have, you know, all this little bit of, oh my Lord, what you're doing is absolutely enough. You're doing, you know, new and exciting and cool. And you're recognizing what other people have to do. So, you know, there is, and quite frankly, I fall into this a little bit of, uh, and with great humility and, and, and humble with, as Winston Churchill would say, I have much to be humble for, but 
all I'm doing is talking about what you folks are doing. And it turns out there's a need in our community for someone like me doing the talking about what everybody else is doing. So you can't do everything in terms of all of the policies or all of whatever, but what you are doing is such an integral part of what everybody else is doing. And that is why, and, and if it's okay with you, I've had a theme that I've been talking about and, and boy, Lorian Rogers and the folks from Project Equity have been on and Jack Moriarty talked about this from Ownership America. I've, I think all of us in EO, you know, for a while I did podcasts and it's like, are we a movement and we're not a movement? And I was trying to engender conversation, but everybody was like, yeah, we're not a movement, obviously. <laughs> you know, we're not a movement. I got a vibe that just felt with some of the new organizations coming on, a lot of the new steps. Collaboration for me, 2021, I'm going to look back at it as the year we're just, it seemed everybody, almost everybody was collaborating with almost everybody else where they could competing in some areas, but so much collaboration. Is 2021 the year that if we ever become a movement, that if we look back and we do a history of the movement, and the historians will do it, but will 2021 be the year that we say, hey, this is where we began to coalesce into a movement, or do you have a different view? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I want to say first, I absolutely am 100% on board with what you're seeing in terms of just the positivity, the energy, the excitement, all the really cool things that are happening, everyone being super collaborative and just working together. And I think there's a lot of positive energy there. I mean, as you know, it takes a little while for us to, well, it takes a little history and, and time for things to come into perspective. It takes a little time to see things like how many how many companies we ended up creating, all that sort of thing. I actually think that, well, we'll look back and 2019 will be the inflection. That's actually what I think. I think the energy is palpable now. I think there's a lot of very cool, exciting things happening, but I think we're actually already a couple of years into it. And I think it's going to grow and continue to grow. I think we will kind of become more of a, when you say a movement, I'm not exactly sure what that means, but like, if you think about just in terms of us creating more companies, the space growing, more awareness, right? Continuing to push policies, all that sort of thing. I really think 2019 will be seen as the inflection point. You can go back a little further than that. Like in 2016 was when the Democracy Collaborative had the 50 by 50 initiative, which was actually very important for me in terms of getting started and, and starting Certified EO. But you had all these different organizations and groups in the same room talking about setting an ambitious target, which ended up being 50 million employee owners by 2050. We had the NCO there, the ESOP Association, Democracy Work Institute, US Federation Work Co-ops. I mean, you had all sorts of people in there collaborating on that and talking about that. And I think that there continue to be additional things happening coming out of that, right? Employership Expansion Network. I don't know if they came originally from that, but I do know state centers were part of that conversation. That's been germinating for a while. I know Jack just launched Ownership America, but I, I got connected with him, I think actually in 2019, and he was kind of already thinking about this policy stuff then. So I agree with you, the energy's there right now, and it's stronger this year than it was last year. But I really do think in retrospect, when we look back and say, okay, when did we creating more companies? When we start uh, really coalescing, I actually think 2019 will be it. I think maybe it is a little hard to see too, because then, you know, 2020, the pandemic starts and that just kind of throws everything off. That's an interesting point. And it's a, first of all, all this is a fun conversation to have, but it reinforces oh, yeah. what I think is kind of important, which is just, uh, that's the kind of conversations we're having. We're not having the, why doesn't anyone love us conversations? You know, there's a right. little bit of, we need more people talking about employee ownership the podcast host smiles every time somebody says, talk about employee ownership. <laughs> but there's so many different things going on. So for Certified EO in 2022, is it more of the same? Is it, are you plugging away? Do you have things that you're stressing? Absolutely. It's a combination. As I mentioned, 
when we launched in September 2017, we had 28 founding members. Today, we have 390 members. So I, I'm not, the mental math is escaping me, but that's like 13 or 14 times growth. 2021 was a very big growth year for us. So to some extent, a lot of what we're doing is, and, and that looks like it will just continue in 2022. So a lot of it is just growth and keeping up with the growth, adding members, right? Creating, basically ma making sure we're working with the members, helping them tap into using the brand, helping to them tap into those network benefits as well. And what, so what I'm so excited about with what we're doing is that there's a network effect. So every time someone joins, it makes the whole organization more valuable for every other company because we're using these shared resources like this certification mark and this brand, right? So a big thing is just continued growth. And I, I think we'll have strong continued growth in 2022, which I'm very excited about. We have a few things that are more in line with our vision of creating that national recognition and creating that visibility and making it very easy to find and connect with employee-owned companies that are coming out. But those are a little preliminary to talk too much about. And I'm also very, very, very excited about, like you said, we're just trying to keep up with the growth. That'd be the main thing. Um, but then a couple, yeah, a couple things that which I guess I'm kind of being coy, but I can't say too much about, but some big things that'll come out that'll obviously come on uh, the podcast and talk about, but continuing that recognition, I mean, building on some of the media that we've done, building on some of the kind of the knowledge, the IP, all towards an eye of, of creating that drumbeat and, and, and creating more recognition for employee-owned companies. One of the things that I love about your mailing list, and I would suggest all of our listeners uh, subscribe to the drumbeat, but I love the drumbeat. You're highlighting your member companies. Can you just tell us a little bit? It's a monthly newsletter I believe. Yeah, I think we're moving to bi-monthly, in fact. But yeah, it's been a monthly newsletter, basically just trying to help people stay up to date on the space. And there's some great uh, ways to stay in touch with the space. Obviously, your podcast, EO News, right? NCO, ESOP Association, all fantastic. Ours is, again, our focus is really more on like Main Street, kind of keeping it simple, regular, just updates. So we like to spotlight our members. We like to highlight new companies that have become certified, give some visibility there, uh, maybe share some news with member that that's happened what's been happening with members as well. Maybe some articles if we see them. And then also I'll kind of write my thoughts around employership. I'm trying to, to put down more of my thoughts in blog posts as well. So we'll start putting out some more blog posts as well. So yeah, it's a really great way to just stay up to date on the space. Our digital, we're fundamentally, we're a remote organization, we're digital. So we're very, we're hundred percent focused on employership, but we also do, do understand that, you know, we try to keep email traffic to a reasonable level. So we switched to, to bi-monthly. So we'll send two a month, really nice way to stay up to date on the space. And you can just go to our website and subscribe, I think in, a, in, a, in the footer of our website. Um, really nice way to just stay up to date on the space. I love that. I also want to put in a word for your directory that people can go. And, and I want our listeners to know Victoria Wortha, who works for us at the Podcast Network, Jesse, Tyler, and I all use the directory regularly just as a resource. So when you were on previously, you've talked about that. That's a very important resource. And what I love is as I'm just running around doing my stuff, it's the companies that I'm talking to happen to be your members. So for example, as you and I are recording this, I've just aired a two-part series with Billy Duran at Threaded Fasteners in Alabama. Fascinating. Mm. His title as the head of the company is chief motivational officer. The, <laughs> the most unusual episodes, and forgive me, I know it's a tangent, but he's one of your members. He didn't talk at all period about what Threaded Fasteners does because it said <laughs> that is a nuts and bolts company, but Billy's in the people business mm. and he's a certified EO member. 
Vince Cruz, who's one of my buddies from, from USA Mortgage that, that sent me an email a month ago and influenced a, a podcast I do. USA Mortgage raves about being certified EO members. I could probably give four or five other examples, but they're getting the value. And we're talking about on this podcast, what the public will see with some of your branding, but your members get an awful lot of education. They get modules, they get, you know, real tools to help them with the EO component for their business. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, a couple of notes on the directory too. I'm, first of all, I'm, I'm glad to hear that that's something useful for you I and mean, something you like. The vision there is basically one place to find every employee-owned company in America, right? So we're doing all sorts of work to make sure that all the companies there are employee-owned. If they are an ESOP, they meet that 30% criteria, criterion, I suppose, but also including the non-ESOPs, worker co-ops, trusts, all that, and really making it this up-to-date, easy to navigate, way to find employee-owned companies. So I'm, I'm so glad to hear you find that useful. That's definitely a, a ton of work, but it fits in with our vision of making it easy to find employee-owned companies, making this whole thing more visible. So love to hear that. And then, yeah, I love to hear that you're you're seeing some of our members. I mean, we're, you know, kind of tying it back to your question about 2021, we're, I think we're really starting to see the, the flywheel spinning up on employee ownership, right? Because the more you have these great companies who are super excited talking about what they're doing, then people listening can go back and take that to their, their company, get some good ideas, increase that excitement. Maybe some business owners thinking about converting here, that and think, oh, wow, that's super cool. Like, I really want that for my company. That's what I want my legacy to be. They join. And I feel like that's kind of what you're getting at with that movement piece. Maybe that makes more sense to me now. It's like, it's like that flywheel is starting to get some momentum. And obviously the faster that spins and, and the more we put into that, the more it generates those sorts of great companies with awesome people who are super excited about this. And, and it just, it's, it's great. Like, I, I love that energy. I, I absolutely feel that. So that's really cool to hear. And it makes me really happy to, to know that our members are so involved in doing all sorts of great things. I think that is kind of the company that ends up getting certified are those true believers and people who just really love this as well. I think there's some attraction there because they see the vision and understand this space could easily be 10 times bigger. I mean, easily, right? But what it takes is all of us rowing in the same direction in terms of getting that out there, working together to make the companies as successful as possible, right? Combining our voice. So that's the big idea behind the certification mark and the, the core of what we're doing. I also love it because it says to your vibe, Thomas, the directory is just available on your website and anybody can access it. And mm -hmm. there are other organizations, and I want to be clear, in EO or out of EO that would firewall that. You know, that, that, hey, that is just going to be for paid members and, and you need that. And a lot of what you are doing, what I love in my role as an advocate is what you're doing is so important and you have things that only your members get. Some of the modules that I've talked about, the training tools and that kind of thing, yeah, gotta belong. But meanwhile, you are putting so much out that benefits all of us, you know, and, and the work that you're doing with the different branding and the hiring. The reason I think it's so important is that if more companies, you know, are focused on using EO as a hiring point, it's that awareness. And that's helps what I'm trying to do, which is get, you know, just more awareness. So I think what you're doing is really important. And I just wanted to pay you personally a compliment. I'm very complimentary of certified EO and I know it takes a lot of people, but you caught the bug and, and you made it happen. So I hope that as you reflect with your wife and your daughter and your dog, that there's also a, little <laughs> bit of, a lot of people are seeing that certified EO because you got inspired and you in turn inspired a lot of people. 
So I appreciate that. Well, that's great. Yeah. And hopefully just to start, right? So that's the goal is everyone in America at least knows about this. And we get to those people who it resonates with. Because I feel like for every true believer we have, we could find a hundred more who just don't know about this yet. Right. And imagine what, what the energy would be like. It could make the world a positive place. Thomas, anything else on Certified EO? Anything you'd like to wrap up with? Well, we already talked about the drumbeat. You know, I'm getting more active on LinkedIn. So if you if you like, if you're interested in what we're doing, you can also follow me or connect with me on LinkedIn. But our blog, you know, that's, that's kind of where it comes out, the drumbeat our website directory. Yeah, I think we hit the high notes. So yeah, or if people are interested in, in connecting, you can just email me at thomas at certifiedio.com. So I'm happy to chat. And we'll include that on the show notes as well. Thomas, you inspire me. Certified EO is doing wonderful things. Thank you for giving me so much to talk about on my podcast. And thank you by making me happier that you come on and talk about it yourself because you do it much better than I do. So I appreciate it. <laughs> You're so modest, Brett. Well, I, thanks for having me on. I love coming on. I'm sure I'll try to come on again, uh, maybe, you know, at some point to talk about the things I alluded to, <laughs> you know, so coyly. Um, but yeah, thanks for having me. It's great. I always love talking to you and uh, looking forward to coming back again in the future. And we look forward to having you. With that, we're going to wrap up this episode. I am so grateful to Thomas Dudley for joining me. I'm grateful to everybody at Certified EO who is doing so much to uh, just make what I call the EO Sandbox such a better place. And listener, I am particularly grateful to you. I can have great guests and we can chat, but, but for the listener, there's not much going on. So thank you so much for listening. This is Brett Kiesling. Be well. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook at EO Podcast Network and on Twitter at ESOP Podcast. This podcast has been produced by Brett Kiesling for the EO Podcast Network. Production assistance by Victoria Huerta. Original music composed by Max Kiesling. Branding and marketing by Bitsy Plus Design. And I'm Bitsy McCann.